Greetings. We hope you enjoy this podcast of a Science for the Public program. If you'd like to see the video of this program, just search the title on our website under the Archives tab at the top of the homepage, www.scienceforthepublic.org. Good evening. I'm Yvonne Stapp for Science for the Public, and I welcome you to tonight's Contemporary Science Issues and Innovations program. One of the most enduring mysteries of our universe is dark matter, and our guest, cosmologist Julian Munoz, is involved with recent discoveries that may lead to an explanation. Dr. Munoz is a postdoctoral fellow in physics at Harvard University, where he's collaborating with leading scientists in a rather unique investigation that has attracted a good deal of attention, how dark matter might interact with ordinary matter. Along with that discussion, he'll talk about some of his other cosmological interests, including uh, gravitational waves. We're delighted to welcome Dr. Julian Munoz. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Good. And if you will start us out just with some background about this dark matter issue, uh, sort of how much of it there is and why it's a kind of mystery. It is a good question. Uh, dark matter has been a mystery for about a century. It's been since early 1900s when people started looking at motions of stars mm. in our own galaxy. Mm. And they realized that the stars moved faster than they should, just given the regular matter that we have around yeah. us. Yeah. And this indicated that there's other matter that is pulling gravitationally the stars. So there's no question there's something else out there. Like, That's right. Like, right. And this is true in the scale of our galaxy, mm -hmm. but it's also true in much larger scales. Mm. So for example, when we look at the cosmic microwave background, mm. this is the light that was mm -hmm. emitted mm -hmm. in the first instance of the universe when the universe first became transparent, um, we can see the gravitational potential due to the regular matter, but also due to the dark matter. Mm -hmm. So we can infer that it's actually about five times more dark matter than regular matter. So not only is it mysterious and dark, it's also Much most more of, of it. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Uh, which in some way makes it easier to detect. That's why we're fairly sure that there is dark matter. Okay. But it makes it that much more poignant that we cannot know what it right. is. Right. So it's been frustrating for quite a while. So there's no question that there is such a thing, but we don't know what it is. That is right. So it seems as though there are uh, like several candidates. Maybe people have heard of WIMPs, for instance, uh, things. Right. What are these candidates and, and uh, can you tell us anything about those? That's right. So I, I would separate them in two broad categories. Okay. You got the what you call particle dark matter. Yeah. So WIMPs, or yeah. the weakly interacting massive particles, are particles that are not all that different from particles in the standard model. They just interact weakly, which is why they are dark matter. Okay. Dark meaning they don't emit light or yes. any other light-like yeah. thing. Um, things that are also particles are axions. Yeah. Axions are predicted by different types of string theory or different theoretical models. And they are essentially similar to the standard model particles but they have very, very tiny masses. Uh -huh. in, in that case, they have a coherent behavior on very large scales, which is why they would be interesting cosmologically. They can have wavelengths that span a galaxy. Oh, oh, oh. Um, and this is the way people look for them. Um, and the other broad category that is not particle dark matter are things that you would call massive compact objects. Um, for a while, we thought that dark matter could just be something like brown dwarfs. Because uh -huh. we had only oh, seen so it. so many it, of them. 
right, there's so many of them, and we had only seen dark matter in our own galaxy. Mm -hmm. uh, now we know that cannot be the case, because okay. there has to be dark matter in the beginning when the cosmic microwave background was emitted. Um, but there are other candidates that look like it. One of them are primordial black holes, and ah, we might be able yes, to talk about them about that, later. Yeah. Um, but in general, the idea here is that instead of being a particle, uh, dark matter is some sort of congregate of regular matter okay. that just doesn't emit light. Yes, okay. Like that being black like the holes. brown dwarfs or black exactly. holes. Right. Exactly. Okay. So you don't have to have new particles, you just have to have a way to pack our regular particles in a non-emitting way. Yes. I, just real quickly, I thought that the dark matter had been detected around like galaxies and so forth, they, and that is by observing galaxies and the movement of stars, therefore right. they uh, inferred the dark matter. What about these huge voids in the universe? Do you expect dark matter there as well? Indeed you do. Uh -huh. um, I mean, voids are void. They, are, yeah, they right. don't have a lot of matter, <laughs> yeah. but they do have some matter. Yeah, I understand. And, and people, people do find uh, what is the density of voids. And okay. You, of course, also see that there is more matter than just regular matter, so yeah. there is dark right, matter. Right, 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 right. In fact, I'm glad you, you pointed out, I want to show this, this slide. This is um, the bullet cluster. So it's a cluster of galaxies. Okay. So this, um, you know, every one of those little circles is a galaxy roughly like our own. And uh, the red and blue uh, are maps of where the X-ray emission comes from. So oh. red is X-rays. So that's where the gas, where the regular matter is, right? And the blue is uh, where the mass is. Okay. So, so you see that they don't coincide at all. Right. So what happened here is there were two galaxy clusters, so two clusters that are right, made right. of different galaxies, yeah. gas, and dark matter. Right. And they collided with each other. Uh -huh. And when they collided, all the regular matter, which interacts with each other, got stuck near the center. Uh -huh. So that's the red. But the dark matter basically pushed through because it doesn't talk to each other that much. Yes, right, right. So you see dark matter is in a different place than regular uh -huh. matter. So not only you know we have dark matter, and not only we know that we have five times more than regular matter, yeah. we also know that it's an independent thing. Yeah, yeah. You cannot just modify gravity in a way to get that. To, to yeah. do this. Right. Um, so we have all this confirmation from galaxy scales, right. cluster scales to the CMB. They all point to the same conclusion. Okay. There is dark matter. Right. There's about five times more than regular matter. Okay. So the question is, what is it? What is it? <laughs> and how do we get a handful of it right. or something? Right. Okay. So uh, why is it so difficult? It seems that nature has not been kind to us <laughs> in what dark matter is. <laughs> we had a very clear theoretical prior. The reason yeah. why wimps were a big deal is because we expected that they would work, and we thought they could be dark matter and a lot of effort was put yeah, in trying to right, find them. Right, right. There's all the detector, underground, underground detectors to find WIMPs, yes. and they are all exquisitely precise, yes. and none of them has found dark matter. Okay, all right. Um, it, it, you know, out of the space of possibilities where dark matter can be, yeah. it is not in the obvious okay. place. Okay, all right, so WIMPs are out now, I guess. Uh, the regular canonical WIMP that, I, I, that yeah, people in right. my field will call the WIMP, yes. it is out. There are lighter WIMPs, yeah. things that can have about the mass of the proton are lighter. I see. Uh, where those are not entirely ruled out. Uh, and in fact, there's a lot of experimental effort to reproduce the direct detection constraints that we have for very heavy WIMPs. So okay. all these mines underground, you might have heard they have like the Xenon experiment, dark side, they'll have some uh, noble gases. So you have some, oh. no you have some noble gases where you just, they are not supposed to do anything. You just wait for a dark right. matter particle to come in, kick one of them, move it, and then you can see it. But this isn't happening. We haven't seen this so uh, far. Yeah. People are trying to reproduce this for 
much lighter dark matter. I see, where I see. The, then yeah. the, you wouldn't see the kick because okay. the matter is so light that it okay. doesn't move it. Um, and there's a large amount of experimental effort on this front. Right. Um, but precisely because we have not seen the canonical WIMP, the typical dark matter candidate that you would expect, now we are looking for things that might be a little less obvious, a little less canonical. In your mind, there is a way to find it, right? You expect one of these days they're going to come up with the right solution. To I think we, yes, it's, I think that is correct. In other words, it, it's not something that is permanently out of reach. Yeah, I don't think so. Okay. We have a very clear handle from, from mathematical principles. Uh, yes, uh, I understand yeah. in terms of it, it exists, but it's so difficult to But even in terms of get. what candidates uh, are possible, okay. there are some mathematical guidelines. I it, see. It cannot be some arbitrary, yeah. it, it has to follow the rules of quantum field theory, okay. which we understand uh, fairly uh, well. Yes, and it's very accurate, I think. Yeah, that is right. right. So that's why we can predict whether you know dark matter not predict, but rather we can posit that is uh, something like a fermion. Right. So right, a spin right. one half particle, like protons or electrons. Right. Or it can be a scalar, like an axion. Okay. So we have a finite amount of possibilities, and some of them might take decades to, to entirely rule out. Yes. Uh, but there is a clear way forward. So you're saying that in terms of theoretical, at a theoretical level or something, we, we, we're really very sure here, you know, but in terms of the things that would actually catch it for you and identify it for you, that is still out of reach. That's the thing that's really out of reach, that isn't is right. it, now? Okay, so the, the, it, what would you need to hmm. find it at this point? Is that... I, I think that there, is, uh, there are possibilities that you could, you know, that are already happening within maybe a decade, you'll have a very clear picture uh -huh. whether it is some of them. So yes. ax the axion searches, for instance, yes. are moving very fast. Okay. Um, things like, as I said, low mass WIMPs are yes. moving fast. There are some other candidates where nothing, no experiment you can build on Earth yeah. would detect them. Right, So okay. black, primordial black holes yes. would be one of those candidates. Yes. There's no new particle. Yeah. It's just regular, regular matter that yes. assembled itself into black holes right. in the very early universe. Yes. And there what you have to do is you have to, you have to resort to astrophysics. Yes. And astrophysics gives you a very clear indication of whether matter are primordial black holes or not, related yes. to gravitational waves. And um, this is something that I've worked on in the past yes. and we can talk about yes. later if, if, yes. if you want. We don't understand about the primordial black holes is how could they get matter before you had atoms, I'm assuming, or was that, did they appear after they have we to had be there atoms? Before. They, they were be there, there before. before. Okay. And the way it would work is, you know, we know the universe where we're now is expanding. Yes. So if you take the movie backwards, yes. you, we've all heard this picture, it gets denser and it gets hotter. Yeah, uh, right. Okay. At some point it's hot enough yes. that atoms cannot exist. Right, right. So you, all the electrons and protons separate. Yes. And instead of hydrogen atoms, yes. you just have electrons and protons. If you go even farther back, protons are made of quarks. Yeah. And at some so point the quarks separate. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. if you have um, a hot, quark gluon plasma. Yes. Um, so what's ha well, presumably what could happen that will lead to primordial black holes is that some parts of the universe are very dense. Okay. So you can think that you know there's 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 different patches of the universe, and we know that see, these patches are not connected to each other. They don't talk to each other. So some of these patches are oh, very dense. Yes. And then just from their own gravity they collapse into a black hole. Okay. 
All right, good stuff. So like let's that. go. Okay. Let's go sort of the way on the left. Okay. On the Big Bang. Okay. Where we don't really know what happened. What we know is that, as I said, the universe was hot and dense. Maybe some part of the universe collapsed into a black hole. Maybe not. But we know that at some point, as the universe expanded, yes, it became cold enough that protons and electrons were able to combine and form right. atoms, okay. hydrogen. So this is the period. That is the that's recombination. Okay. That is the weird. Uh, red and blue dots over there. Yeah. And that is a cosmic microwave background. Okay. All right. Which, when you combine all these hydrogen atoms, then suddenly, for the first time, light could move. Yes. Okay. So we get the transparency. Uh, exactly. Thing. Okay. And and this is the 2.7 Kelvin. Yeah. Background that we have nowadays. Uh, for a long time, we had what we call the cosmic dark ages. Okay. All there was in the universe was neutral hydrogen. Yeah. As I said, hydrogen doesn't really emit that much light. Although we'll see in a second that okay. it can do. Uh, so. They are dark ages because nothing is emitting light. You just have the CMB, nothing else. Until about a few hundred million years after the Big Bang, you have the first stars being formed. Okay. These first stars, as we'll see, emit a lot of photons and they excite hydrogen atoms. Yes. And this is what we call the cosmic dawn. Okay. When you get out of the dark ages into the day that is the Eventually universe Eventually it becomes transparent, is that the, or is that later? It became transparent, our recombination. Okay. And what is happening now around the epoch of the first stars okay. is that you have photons that allow the hydrogen to do things. Okay. And, and we'll, we'll talk about this in the next slide. Okay. Um, and then you have galaxies, like, you know, sizable objects, the first galaxies form, and then they actually ionize the hydrogen again. Okay. So this hydrogen that has been neutral since recombination, yeah. There's enough UV photons to again take the electrons out. Okay. Have just protons and electrons in the universe. This is what we call reionization. And then the universe is just electrons and protons until now. Yes. Um, when, of course, you form galaxies. Yes. Uh, with modern galaxies here, they mean galaxies that are Milky Way size. Yes. Okay. Not tiny galaxies that formed so earlier. So those earlier ones were tiny. That is right. Basically, see, galaxies grow and grow as the universe progresses, okay. as they accrete matter, and okay. they become bigger. All right. And all these lines here are, uh, you see that in the right, the little telescope is the Hubble Space Telescope. And it has actually been able to see galaxies up to redshift 8, which corresponds to about 13 billion years ago. It's amazing. It is. And they do this through the Hubble Ultra Deep Field, you might have heard of, yes. where they oh, look yes. at a patch for a very long time, yes. an empty patch. And after integrating for many, many hours, they see these dim galaxies so That's far amazing. away. That's amazing, yeah. And on the left, um, you see the James uh, JWST, the James yes. Webb Space yes. Telescope, yeah. which is going what to commission next year. Next year. Which will push it even further to yes. see the first galaxies form. That is it's so amazing. Not only we yeah. have a theoretical picture, this is all, yeah. of course, this is a, uh, an illustration. Right. We actually have clear indication from telescopes that this yes. happens. Yes, okay. And getting back to the... Hydrogen, what it does and doesn't do, um, the, um, this is roughly the same uh, plot as before. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the right is to today, the left yeah, is earlier right, right. in the universe. And um, what happens, the hydrogen has a 21 centimeter spin flip transition. Oh. So if you have hydrogen, it's a proton and an electron. Yeah. It has, uh, they're both a spin one half particles. So yeah, they can uh, have okay. spin yeah, up or yeah, down. Yeah, yes, yes. Okay. Um, it turns out that if the two particles have the same, the same direction in the spin, they have a slightly higher energy, they have it opposite directions. This has to do with the fact that when they orbit each other, they have angular momentum, okay. and spin All right. All is right. a way to have quantum angular momentum. Okay, right, okay. So if you have hydrogen this way, 
it, can, it will naturally try to get to the lower energy state. Okay. And when it does this, it emits a photon. Ah, it's okay. the same way that regular electronic transitions, yes, yes, these are right. called hyperfine transitions. Okay. And the typical wavelength of this is about 21 centimeter. So you might have heard a 21 centimeter yeah. line of hydrogen, yeah. it it's always that. means yes. this okay. spin flip. Okay. Um, now what happens is these photons, imagine you emit this at a very high redshift, so very early in the universe. As the universe expands, yes. the wavelength redshifts becomes yes. longer. Yes. And that's how we measure age, usually, yes, by right, how, much, how right. red-shifted are the photons. Yeah. So this 21 centimeter becomes longer and longer and longer. Okay. So if you have 21 centimeter from about redshift, say, 100, it will become a 21 meter okay. transition. Yes. Um, so in, that, in, in those wavelengths, we don't talk about wavelength, we talk about frequencies. Those are comparable to the FM Okay. you can see. So here in the bottom axis, you see they have frequencies in megahertz. Yes. Um, so each of these frequencies corresponds to a particular instant in the universe, uh -huh. given by the redshift that is in the upper part okay. of the Okay, All right. So again, going from left to right, at the very beginning on the left, yeah. what you have is when the cosmic microwave background is emitted, is recombination. Since before then, there's no, there's no hydrogen, so there's no spin. Um, for a while, hydrogen could absorb CMB photons in this particular 21 centimeter oh, line. Okay, all right. So the CMB has photons at all frequencies. The CMB is a black okay, body, yes, which we call. Right. Uh, uh, the CMB is cosmic microwave background, yes. okay. The cosmic microwave background, the CMB, the cosmic microwave background, has photons at all wavelengths. Right. So some of those happen to be at 21 centimeter. Okay, just very quickly, if you would just explain what does that CMB mean? That I mean that. Right, so when the hydrogen first formed, Sorry, so yes. electrons and protons yes, got together, right, right. the light could travel for the first time. And in reality, it mostly looks like a background, this yeah. constant in the yes, sky, uh, okay. with about 2.7 Kelvin today. Um, in reality, once, you know, once our measurements got really, really good, yeah, yeah. we were able to tell that there are small anisotropies. So if you look at the plot I showed before on the left, yeah. all the blue and, yeah. and red, uh, that's part of what it would look like okay. in the sky. Just teeny weeny differences. Teeny, about ten parts in a million. In in, oh, 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 it's okay. And and the, what is causing that are a lot of effects, but mostly gravitational potentials I from see. the regular matter and from the dark matter. So that's one of the ways we know there's dark matter, is that the, when the photons have to climb up from the gravitational potential yeah. due to dark matter, they have slightly lower energy, okay. which looks like a smaller temperature. Okay. Like looks blue. All right. So you really have a lot of evidence there. We right? do have yes. a lot of evidence, that's okay. right. Yes. And so these photons from the CMB have all sorts of frequencies and wavelengths. And some of them are in the, exactly a 21 centimeter transition. Yeah. And then those can be absorbed by hydrogen on the way. Okay. So when we looked at how many photons there are in the CMB, we will look, we'll see missing photons. Um, so this is the way that we will look for the 21 centimeter line of hydrogen. And now, um, what they're plotting here in the, so the upper part is an illustration of what it will look like yeah. in, in a simulation. And this, the bottom line is uh, the average. So we start on the left, in the dark ages, you see that the line's slightly below zero, at about yeah, minus 50. Right, right. That's millikelvin in units, just for, you know, yeah. for the record. Uh, so what happens there is that the hydrogen can interact with one another. 
Okay. So this, you know, the populations of singlets are given by the temperature of the hydrogen, which is colder than the CMB. The CMB is hot photons. So you actually lose CMB photons. Okay. But as the universe expands, the hydrogen doesn't talk to each other all that much. Okay. So that becomes inefficient and the line goes up again near zero. Aha. Uh -huh. okay. So then you stop right. seeing this. Yes. All right. Then, at some point, you form the first stars in the universe, the first galaxies. And as I said before, they emit UV photons and they excite the hydrogen. So then again, so this, again. Then again okay. this becomes possible. This yes. goes down, you yes. have absorption. Right. Right. At some point, you emit X-rays. Yeah. X-rays are very good at heating up gas because they can travel much farther. Uh -huh. okay. So X-ray photons tend to interact less with regular matter, um, at least you know, on average. So X-ray photons travel farther from their sources so they can heat up homogeneously the universe. So then the temperature goes up. And at some point, you see, we go to what we call reionization, yeah. where there are so many photons that, again, electrons and protons separate. Okay. As we mentioned before. And you end up with just, there's no hydrogen, there's no 21 centimeter line. So that's the entire history yes. of 21 centimeter. Yeah. And the new thing to this, this, this theoretical, this theoretical calculations have existed for decades, is that now we have detected it, or we think we have detected it, because the EDGES collaboration, where EDGES yes. stands for Experiment to Detect the Global Epoch Organization Signal, okay. has actually seen this dip over here where it says heating begins. This is where you've been involved. This is in the theory the, side. In I'm the not the experimentalist. Side, I've been, that's right. Yeah. Give us an idea. This is, this is what we would like very much to know about this. Right. So what we <laughs> okay. have, what, what EDGES, the yes. EDGES collaboration has right. reported, yeah. is this absorption at about redshift 20. So, okay. So, you know, frequencies of 70 megahertz. Yes. Which corresponds to, you know, dozens of millions of years ago. Oh, de yes. Uh, almost de like 13 billion years ago. Yeah. It's a very okay. early universe. Right. They have reported how we're missing CMB photons in a way that is consistent with 21 centimeter absorption. Okay. And the striking fact is not that they have just detected it, right. that the absorption is much deeper than you would expect. So instead of getting down to minus 100, yeah. it actually goes down to minus 500. And that is caused by? And that is where the dark matter part comes in. Ah. Okay. The only way to make this work that we can think of is by having dark matter cool down the regular matter. Ah, the I colder see. Okay. the regular matter is, the lower this line goes. Uh, that sounds very significant from this angle then. So yes. that sudden drop is it's an indicator of something highly significant. And you're saying the logical thing is the dark matter. That is right. If the edges result is right, 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 right. one of the few ways to reconcile it with astrophysics and physics yeah. is to have dark matter steal energy from the regular matter yeah. so that that line can go lower. Okay, all right. Do, uh, would there be other alternatives? Because the edges thing still, I'm sure, has to you know, be disputed and the, the people have to, it takes time to uh, determine these things once it you does. get a good theory out there. So here's a, here's a hypothesis for now, but it sounds very tempting. For the biggest um, challenge from the observational side are foregrounds. Um, because you have the same radio signal in the tens or hundreds of megahertz is emitted by hot electrons in the Milky Way. Okay. They emit synchrotron radiation when they travel in magnetic fields. Yeah. And that is, there's an overwhelming signal. And the way they go about this problem is 
be marginalized over foregrounds and people might have concerns about how you do that. Uh, so I, I would say the signal is very tempting. Yeah. But it will have to be reproduced by other groups. Sure, and thankfully, sure, there, sure, there are sure. other collaborations. Right. The interesting part is this 21 centimeter science is still in the infancy to yes. some extent. Okay. The EDGES collaboration, for instance, was half a dozen scientists. Oh, is that so? It was a very so? small collaboration. Yeah, yeah. And they were able to deliver an extremely important result, yeah. which, if confirmed, is, yeah, is that, That's dynamite, is isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's not like the LHC or something. Yes, Particles exactly. Hundreds exactly, or thousands exactly. six people. Yeah, right. Uh, that is about. amazing. That is amazing. But yes. it seems like, well, like dis discovering the Higgs or find confirming the Higgs after a long while or gravitational waves after a long while, this might be right in there, that sort of thing, because this is a big issue, the, the dark matter it thing. Is. So what we, um, what we realized is that we first heard of the signal um, before getting you know, to work on the theoretical side. And we realized that there's, there are ways to make this work. There are ways that dark matter can steal energy from the baryons. Okay. And uh, the one we found that is the most promising is to give the dark matter a tiny electric charge. Yes, I think that's the hardest thing to understand myself. Please tell us about so, that. So the way this would work is we usually would think of dark matter as some exotic, strange thing. That's right. Maybe it's very heavy. That's doesn't what you see interact. It. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't interact. Maybe it's something weird. But in some ways, it's kind of natural that it would interact through one of the forces that we know. Yeah. So we know that it interacts through gravity. Yeah. That is how we yes, locate yeah, it. Yeah. Um, we are fairly certain that it cannot interact through the strong force because that is a very strong okay. force. Okay. Yes. Uh, so the WIMP, for instance, a weakly interactive massive particle, it was thought of. It was thought that it would interact with the weak force. That is why it's a WIMP. Okay. Although that was discarded quickly because we would have seen it. Right. Um, so one way you can make it work is go through the fourth force, the electromagnetic force, yeah. which we understand really well. Uh. And in that case, what we can say is if dark matter doesn't have unit charge, like the electron, doesn't have the same charge as the electron, it's much less charged. Yes. In that case, we wouldn't have seen it in accelerators. We would okay. not have seen it anywhere else. It would be very hard to detect, evidently. That is right. Very, very hard. And w just so you have an idea, we're thinking of charges that are about a millionth of that of the electron. Right, okay. If the dark matter is so feebly charged, it is almost impossible to see in accelerators. It's but it's still meaningful, even though it is so minuscule. Is. And what happens is during this era, as I said, when, when the curve dipped down, the baryons are the coldest that they are ever in the history of the universe. Since they get heated by the X-rays later, Got and it. cold, okay. cold yes. particles interact a lot through electromagnetism. Oh, okay. So if dark matter was charged, yes. that would be the first place you would see it. It sounds better and better, every sentence there. And, and what we proposed is that these particles with about one to a hundred times the mass of the electron, about a millionth times the charge of the electron, could be explaining the edges signal. They could yeah. be the cause of this anomalous cooling, this, this, yeah. this deep signal. Um, and if so, then that would mean that we found at least part of the dark matter. Right. Um, it's, it's unlikely they would be all the dark matter since they're very light and they will get trapped in magnetic fields. Right. But they could be very, a very important part of it. And the rest of the dark matter could talk to them the same way that electrons are a very tiny part yeah. of our weight yeah. As, yeah. Yeah. as regular matter. Yeah. But we right. talk with the electrons. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And uh, I think perhaps the most significant thing to come out of it is even if you don't believe the signal, even if the signal goes away mm -hmm. and it happens to agree with our expectations, 
these measurements of 21 centimeter at the cosmic dawn, mm -hmm, when the first mm -hmm, stars mm -hmm, formed, mm -hmm. have the most potential to detect these particles. They're stronger than any accelerator we can so build on Earth right now. Ah, 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 so you really can't, yes, okay. Right, the fact, right. That is, uh, the fact that you can see them better than an accelerator means that you can actually constrain them if the signal was to, ah. to agree. Okay. So in the quest for what is and it's not dark matter, 21 centimeter really seems to have the key that's to exactly. Understand. That's very exciting. Yes. What's the status now? It's new, right? I mean, you're, it is new. Just, the results are from. Um, and you're waiting for other teams to sort of. Right. So the edges team themselves have a different instrument. They're 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 testing. Uh, there are groups here in Harvard. There are groups in India. Um, there are there are different groups across the planet. that are are trying to reproduce the results. Okay. Nothing has come out yet. Right, 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 I so understand we, we, that. So we don't know, right. we don't know just yet. just bite your nails for a while. Right. <laughs> but it, it is expected that within a year, perhaps two years. Oh, that's most, soon. Yes. Oh, uh, that's exciting. Is that is. because of that mysterious dip? That is right, the, the deeper, right. deeper it is, so the easier significant. it is to Yes, right. Um, the next step is seeing the um, fluctuations in that signal. Okay. So the same way the CMB yes. is these right. photons right. with right. three Kelvin temperature and then it's minuscule fluctuations, yes. right. the same is true for this. Okay. You will have the average signal, which is hundreds of millikelvin, and then you'll have fluctuations of about one part in a thousand okay. instead of one part in a million. Yeah. But still, tiny fluctuations in the sky. Right. And that is the frontier. That okay. is where we want to get. Yes. Those fluctuations would not only tell us what is the average of the signal, but where is it hotter, where is it warmer? Yeah. What, are the, what are the regular matter particles doing? Yeah. And that is extremely important to understand if dark matter is interacting in any way, to understand how the first stars formed, yes. when they formed. Right. And that, is, that sort of project really requires a big team. Right, right. So for instance, um, in MIT, there's this big experiment called HERA, which is a collaboration from different people, but MIT is one of the leaders. They will be able to detect this signal from the epoch of reionization, so from later, uh, from when the electrons and protons yeah, are right, right, separating. Right, right. Um, that would be extremely exciting. Uh -huh. And if we, could able, we were able to detect that signal during the cosmic dawn. Okay, okay. Then we would actually see that critical time okay. in the universe when yeah. dark matter might it's be, really, yes. yeah, it is very exciting. Yeah. And that actually does require a big team and hundreds of uh, antennas, yes. as opposed to one yes. antenna. Right, and a whole lot of brains behind yes. that one, right. You have a diverse set of interests in all of this, so I want to ask two things. How did you get into this in the first place? And then you have several interests that I'd like to ask you about, okay. So how did you get into it in the first place? You're in, from Spain? I'm from Spain. I came to do my PhD in the US, um, Johns Hopkins University. Yeah. And uh, the guy that I was most interested in working with was a cosmologist. So he gave me some toy problem, and I worked on it for a while, and I realized I really, this really is liked it. it. This is it. <laughs> and I was hooked. Yeah. It's easy to understand. It really is. It is. And yes. it, it is. There's a lot of technical parts to it, but at the end result, you're studying the universe, which yeah. it's, by definition, interesting. Right. And you had other things that you were interested in. You were interested in gravitational waves and the primordial black holes. That's right. So okay. b before, years ago, when uh, LIGO yes. first detected gravitational yeah. waves, um, there was another sort of puzzle 
um, that is, didn't turn out to be a puzzle, but it, it, the puzzle was that the first black holes we detected were very heavy. Uh -huh. If you remember, they had about 30 solar masses yeah. each in weight. And that is a number that we were not expecting. That the, the, these earliest would be so heavy. You that say? any black hole that, that any, we would they, see. Uh, they were, all of them were, uh, okay. All, all black right. holes that we had seen before, we yes. had seen them in X-ray binaries. Okay. So you have a black hole, you have a companion, right. and the companion is accreting matter to it, yes. so it emits right. X-rays. Right. And these ones have masses of five to 10 times the mass of the sun. Okay. And that is what our models were also predicting. Okay. People run models for what the, the black holes do, and that is the number. And 30 is a very large number. Okay. We, none of the models at the time Predicted, predicted 30. So we, we wondered if these black holes were not astrophysical. Black holes can be astrophysical, meaning they are the end point of stellar evolution. Yeah. And instead we wondered, what if they are the dark matter? And through some calculation we showed that you know, dark matter lives in halos, like yes, the halo yes, of the Milky yes, Way. Yes, yes, And every once in a while, two black holes that are the dark matter right. would come close to each other and they would form a binary. Yeah. And this binary would coalesce emitting gravitational right, waves, which right, is exactly what right, LIGO saw. Exactly. And when you calculate how often this happens, it works out to be about how often LIGO has been detected gravitational waves. I see. Which is why it was a... They all go together. <laughs> right. Um, which worked out to be a, an interesting coincidence. Um, and it you know, started a wave of thinking about primordial black holes again. Yeah. And I think at large, what can gravitational waves teach us about dark matter. And this is one clear example where if dark matter are primordial black holes, you wouldn't see them in any accelerator. Yeah. You wouldn't see them through direct detection. Ah, uh, right. You would have to look at the sky and see the gravitational waves emitted by these okay. black holes. Okay, and that's the only way to detect those. Yes, right. that's right. Okay, so that's the reason for that excitement. Another reason for being in this work at this time, when so yes. many things are happening, what do you predict in terms of like the next 20 years in developments here? So I think by far the, mo the thing that I find most interesting are all these 21 centimeter yeah, experiments. Yes, absolutely. Delivering results and yeah. they're going to get much better. Right. Uh, but on, on different side, uh, gravitational wave measurements are getting extremely good, and they're starting to detect events almost on a monthly basis. Yeah. Something that I also find very interesting, which is another sort of astrophysical event, are called fast radio bursts. Oh, yes, yes. These uh, FRBs, fast yes. radio bursts, are entirely it's mysterious. really mysterious, yes. We don't know what is causing them, but we know that it's astrophysical. Right, yeah. Uh, we expect some neutron star, some, some very compact object with a very high magnetic field. Uh, would those be very dis distant in time? Would they go, does that an indication of something from the remote universe rather than closer to us, these they the are, FRBs? Are they are cosmological, yeah. as in they are maybe a billion light years away, okay. oh. but not far away enough right, that you right, would think right. of. You're, right, I, so you're, it's not necessarily a signal from the earliest universe That's by right. any means. It's okay. from the late universe, yeah. if you wish. Right. Okay. But again, we don't That's know what interesting. they are. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's a, we're, we're, we have detected a few dozen of them so far, because we've been looking with very small telescopes that were not designed for FRBs. They were looking yeah. at a galaxy, yeah. and, and it just so happened to go right. off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and these things, by the way, they're called fast radio bursts because they're very fast. They okay. last about a millisecond. 
So you really have to have the telescope trained on this. Is that the idea to capture it? The way the way they do it is it's radio, so they have uh, they have detectors okay. where they actually yeah. Yeah. process the data. Okay. But you actually have to be looking at it. It's not like a galaxy that's going to be here today, tomorrow, and in a billion years. This thing okay. goes so off. They're so fast. You have to be exactly looking when it happens. Okay. Um, and now we're going to have experiments. There's the one called CHIME, it's Canadian Hydrogen uh, Mapping Experiment, one called Hyrax, which is the same in South Africa. Both these experiments are going to be able to detect thousands of these FRBs every year, uh, which means that we're going to have a very clear picture of where they are and perhaps where the properties are, and this should lead to us understanding where they come from, but also what can we learn about the universe and about dark matter yeah. from them. Uh, so you think that there is a possible connection? So something we, we realized is if dark matter was primordial black holes, yeah. primordial black holes not only interact through gravity by merging, yeah. they can also bend light. So this right. is called gravitational uh, lensing. Right, right, lensing. And um, the, the way this works is that photons are massless, light particles right. are massless, but they still follow the curved space-time. Yes. So if you put a primordial black holes between an FRB and you, Right. It will get bent. Yes. And if it's right on the on the way, it can have two paths on the way to you. Yes. So, so it goes around there right. like that. So yeah. you might have heard of the Einstein arcs. Yes. When Absolutely. Things are gravitationally lensed. You see an arc around Absolutely. it. Absolutely. For an, for an now FRB. Now it's common to see it. <laughs> it's common. Yeah. We have hundreds of them. Uh, for these FRBs, yeah. you wouldn't see an arc because they last a millisecond. What you would see is one image and then another one. Oh, 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 yes, so, because it's, okay. Because it does not emitting all Exa the time. Yes. So we realize that these FRBs can actually tell us if primordial black holes are the dark matter or not okay. by whether they are echoed this way, whether on the way to us they cross near a primordial black hole and, um, and they are lensed. Right. And in fact, it's, it's, it will happen often enough if primordial black holes are the dark matter that about one in a hundred FRBs should be echoed. So we only have 30 or 40 of them for now, so we cannot say anything. But within a year or two of operation of CHIME, yeah. which is being built, or Hyrax, we will be able to definitely tell whether primordial black holes can be the dark matter. This is really neat, isn't it? I think you have a lot to do in your lifetime yeah, here. Hopefully. <laughs> right, I think it'll keep you busy. But I really appreciate very much your giving us this fabulous information. Thank and you for having me. I wish you the very best in, in your I career. Guess. And you'll have to come back another time to talk some about these things. Thank you again very much. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this podcast of a Science for the Public event. Please check out our website, www.scienceforthepublic.org, for videos of all our events, lists of upcoming events, our weekly Sci News Roundup newsletter, and timely science information.